Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to everybody here, everybody watching online as well. Good to see your smiling faces today. Hopefully you'll keep smiling, all right, because we're going to begin with this. Let's talk about road rage, okay? It's an issue, right? If you're living here in Georgetown, the greater Austin area, you've probably seen an ever-increasing amount of road rage, wouldn't you say? In fact, let's do this. Raise your hand if you've ever been the victim of road rage. Put it up high. Come on, come on. Come on, bring it up. Okay. Okay, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you may have been the victim, but you just didn't realize it. Uh Uh-huh. So let me read you a broad definition of road rage. This is the official definition right here. It's aggressive or angry behavior exhibited by a driver. Yeah, I bet you knew that part. Um, Behaviors include rude and offensive gestures, verbal insults, physical threats, or dangerous driving methods targeted toward another driver or pedestrian in an effort to intimidate or release frustration. Okay, so I had this opening illustration, and just two days ago on my Georgetown feed on Facebook, a lady experienced road rage, and I want you to just listen to what she wrote here. She said this, How professional of you, sir, to completely cut me off, almost cause three cars to get in an accident, and then decide to give me a rude gesture as a cherry on top. Hope you have a great morning, since clearly you are so much more important than every other person on the road. There you have it. You know, what's so horrible about road rage is it's focused on absolute strangers. Like the person experiencing road rage doesn't even know this other individual that they're angry at. And that's what makes it so strange. And here's something else you might not know about road rage. Okay, according to one study, people who customize their cars with bumper stickers and other adornments like bobbleheads, stuff like that, they are more prone to road rage. Okay, did you know that? And in case you have right now, I bet you have a select demographic of people, oh, those kind of people. This is kind of funny. It doesn't even matter what the stickers say. According to the study, just the number of stickers, not their content, predicted road rage. Interesting. Now, probably only a small percentage of you have been on the giving side of road rage. Okay, all right. But, but all of us have experienced some kind of rage inside of us, right? Some kind of anger. And I know we don't like to use the word angry or anger because it doesn't sound very sophisticated, okay? We like to say, oh, oh, I don't have rage or anger. I'm just frustrated. I'm not angry. I am frustrated. Frustration sounds a lot nicer because it implies that there is some problem out there and I'm just responding to it in here. I'm not the source. It's not coming from me. Well, over the years, I've learned that frustration actually is anger. Back when I was younger, in my 20s, I had a counselor tell me that I was dealing with anger. And I kept insisting, no, I am not angry, okay? I even did the not angry thing. I would say, I'm not angry. Because if you say, I'm not angry, (laughs) you just lost, right? They don't even have to respond. Okay, I'll write that down. Brian is not angry, 
Good. This counselor was so awesome, very wise lady. She looked at me, she said, okay, Brian, why don't you tell me the difference between anger and frustration? Yeah, exactly, right? And while you guys are trying to figure out the difference between anger and frustration, let me catch you up on this series, okay? It's called Hijacked, and it's really a how-to series, how to say no to various emotions that compete for control of our lives. Because we all have certain emotions and they compete for control of our mouth and our moods. And Jesus says that the stuff that comes out of here often offends other people. And then that puts us at odds with God because it hurts other people. And Jesus says the reason it comes out is because it was in here in the first place. And, and we may want to object to that. We may go, no, 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 wait a minute. It's, it's not coming from in here. It's coming from out there. It's coming from them. And I'm just responding to it. But Jesus says, well, that's because you don't know yourself very well. Here's what Jesus said. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Now, evil thoughts, those are the precursors to evil deeds, right? For out of the heart come evil thoughts. He gives a little list here. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft false testimony, slander. And so in this series, we're learning to monitor not just behavior, but our hearts. What's going on inside? And today, we're going to talk about anger. Now, nobody wants anger to hijack their lives. Like, nobody wants anger to be the boss of them, and nobody wants anger that loves you to be the boss of you. And you don't want anger to be the boss of anybody that you love or have to work with. Like, we've all seen what happens when that goes down. We've all been on the other side of anger, rage, frustration, whatever you want to call it. We've all been there. And we're not just talking about extroverted anger, but people who lose their tempers. I mean, you may never raise your voice. You may never lose your temper, but you're still scary because your moodiness or your silence is deafening, controlling, intimidating. So whether you shove it down or, or shut people down, anger is a bad boss. Unless, of course, there's an exception to this. Unless, of course, we're talking about what is sometimes termed righteous anger or crusader anger. And just so you know, this is a good anger, so don't think about the crusades, okay? Let's go with this phrase, crusader anger. Crusader anger is when somebody gets so angry at an evil or injustice in the world or disease in the world, something like that, and eventually they're so angry they step out and say, somebody's got to do something about this. And so they go to work. And as a result of crusader anger, some incredible things have happened in the world and throughout history. Things like child labor laws, women's suffrage, civil rights movement. I could go on and on and on. Throughout history, that has made a huge impact. However, crusader anger reflects concern over what other people are not getting that they deserve. It has nothing to do with us. You know, the anger that drives us crazy... <laughs> The anger that messes up our relationships and, and causes us to say, why did I think or say or do that? That's the anger that comes from when I'm not getting what I'm sure I deserve. So there's a similarity there, but one is constructive and the other one, the one we're talking about today, is extraordinarily destructive. Now James, the half-brother of Jesus, he writes about this, and he gives us a principle that if you can wrap your mind around this, it'll do more to keep anger from being the boss of you than anything else. 
And so I want you to pay attention because it's kind of tricky here. James is going to walk us through and tie wisdom into humility, into quarrels, and into anger. So pay attention. Here we go. James starts with this. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Okay, wise people understand that life is connected. Like the past impacts the future. The present impacts the future. Life is all connected. And so James says, if anyone thinks they have insight, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Now, that's because wise people are always humble. Why? Because arrogance doesn't make any sense. Arrogance, if you think about it, is irrational. It flies in the face of everything we know to be true about how the world works and how people are. Every once in a while, you will run into somebody or maybe you watch somebody on the news or on TV and they're just super, super arrogant. And sometimes it may just be a big personality. Sometimes it's, it's different than that. But no matter what, oftentimes we look at that and we, we want to say, you know, dude, don't you realize, you do realize that you're like all the rest of us, right? You are mere flesh and blood. I mean, do you think you're never going to die? Do you think that somehow you are the exception to all the rules? Because the way you're talking and living and what you're expecting of others, it seems like you see yourself as the exception to the rules. I mean, you do realize that you had control over so little of what made you who you are today. And you do realize that you have so little control over the future. I mean, like all the rest of us, you have to live your life in sync with things that you have zero control over. Like, I don't know, everybody else and their decisions. I mean, you're louder than everyone else, but you're not that special. See, wisdom is understanding how the world works and how people are. And that's why the wiser you are, the more humble you are, because it just makes more sense. But humility is not natural. So James goes on. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, in other words, if you allow stuff in your heart that flies against the face of reality, that's a problem. Like envy. You know, it's not fair. Life is not fair. People, we know this. Fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. Nothing's been fair ever since. How many of you can dunk a basketball? Let me see your hands, okay? All right, so it's not fair, is it? I mean, we tell our kids this all the time. James says, if you let junk in your heart that flies in the face of reality, like how the world works, it's going to go bad for you. Because what's in you is eventually going to come out if it's left unaddressed. And so he says, do not boast about it or deny the truth. And making the world all about you doesn't make any sense. And if you're stuck there, you're just denying the truth. Wise people don't deny the truth. And so James says, don't get stuck and don't pretend it's fine. God has called you to something better. And then he tells us kind of what we already know. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. It's basically saying what Jesus just told us, right? When yucky stuff gets lodged in your heart, eventually it'll come out and hurt others. Now, James is about to get to his main point of how to keep anger from lodging in your heart and taking control of your life. But first, he launches into another question. And this is critical, people. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? I want you just to think about that for a second. What causes fights 
and quarrels among you. Now, what's the root cause? Now, some of you may look at this question and go, well, you're asking the question incorrectly. It's, it's not a what, it's a who. It's who causes fights and quarrels. And I know the answer to that one. It's my mother, okay? She will not mind her own business. I'm an adult. I have my own family, and she's just got to tell me how to parent and what to do and what I'm doing wrong. Like, every time she walks in my house, I feel judged by her. It's not a what, it's a who. It's, it's you, know, you know what causes fights and quarrels? It, it's a who. It's my boss, right? He causes fights and quarrels. Or, or you know what causes fights and quarrels? <laughs> it's my brother-in-law. Like every time he comes over, he's got to tell me how to do my lawn. And I'm like, I don't care. It's not your yard. It's not a what. It's, it, it, it's a who. It's my boss, the manager at work. She's like, I, I don't know. There's something about her that just grates on me. The problem is not a what. It's a who. And James says, okay, that's why we're talking about this right now, because you're wrong. He says, it's not a who. It's not a who. It's a what. And as long as you think it's a who, it'll keep you from getting to the root of the real what. So listen to what he says. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? See, we want to look out into the world and say, I am frustrated because of something out there. And I'm just responding to that. James says, come on, come on. Who's wise and understanding among you? Don't they really come from your desires that battle within you? To which we say, no, they don't. You need to meet my boss. Then you'd understand the source of my quarrels, right? You need to meet my wife. You need to meet my husband. But James insists that the source of the fighting and quarreling among you, it's something going on inside of you. They don't come from his or her inability to see the world the way you see the world, even though we think that. If you would just see things the way I see them, which, of course, is the right way, then we wouldn't fight, we wouldn't quarrel. And James says, no, you don't understand the root of the quarreling here. And as long as you think that it's something out there, you're actually going to feed something ugly and dangerous in here. As long as you think it's out there, you're feeding something in here. Now, let me tell you, this principle that he's teaching us here, it's life-changing. And I don't think that's hyperbole, okay? It is relationship-changing. It's relationship-healing. In any relationship, if both parties can embrace what James is teaching here, changes everything. So let me read the verse again. James says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And the answer is, yes, they do. Every single time. Because the reason we fight, the reason we quarrel, the reason we get angry is there's something we want that we aren't getting. There's something that we want that we aren't getting. I want respect, and you're not giving me respect. I'm not getting what I want. You know, I want you to just clean your room because we talked about this, right? And you don't clean your room. If you cleaned your room, that would show respect for me. Or I want you to, to come home on time because we talked about this 10 times and you promised, but you don't come home on time. Or I just want you to give me a fair shot. Or I want credit for, for my ideas. And I'm upset and I'm frustrated and everybody I tell my story to says, yeah, you're right. You're right. But the root of it all, it's not out there. It's in here. Because I'm not getting what I want. Now, I know how you respond the same way I do. <laughs> you go, but, 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 but wait, wait a minute, Brian. You know, I earned it. Okay, 
You earned it. You earned it. And so you want what you earned, right? Which means you're, you're not getting what you want. Well, yeah, but, but, but they promised, and they didn't keep their promise. So you want them to keep their promise, right? And, and, and you're not getting what you want. Okay, but, but everybody I talked to about this says that what they did wasn't right. It wasn't fair. Okay, and, and you want what's right. You want what's fair, so you're not getting what you want. People, I'm telling you, when the anger levels rise, it's life-changing. If you can pause and recognize that part of the problem, hear me on this, part of the problem, not the whole problem, but part of the problem, the source of the problem, it, it's me. It's me. You're not getting what you want. Now, parents, I, I think this should be intuitive to us. If you've been the parent of two kids, if you are the parent of two little kids, or you've been the parent of two little kids, do you remember when, when you were driving and you had one hand on the wheel and one hand going on the back seat, okay? And you're like, stop it, cut it out, be quiet. And your kids are back there negotiating, he, she, he, she. And you're like, I don't care, okay? Doesn't matter. I, I don't have to be the judge. I'm the jury. You're guilty, both guilty, okay? Just be quiet and quit touching her and get to your side. Why? Because as a parent, you recognize that the problem is not the presenting problem. The problem is you got two kids in the back seat, and they're both not getting what they want. And I think our Heavenly Father's going, yeah, there's a reason I told you to call me Heavenly Father's, because you're still a lot like children, right? And the root of every quarrel, it's not something out there, it's something in here. You're not getting what you want. You want something, and you're not getting it. I'm telling you, if you can embrace this principle, the moment you embrace this principle, whew, the temperature comes down. And anger loses its ability to hijack your life, to control your mouth, to control your mood. All right, James continues. You desire, but do not have, so you murder. Oof. And now we're going, okay, <laughs> this, this is definitely hyperbole. Well, it is. Okay, it is. But it is, but it, but it isn't sort of. Because he's saying, look, if you don't recognize that the source is in here and not out there, then you will carry the potential to take things to an unhealthy, destructive extreme. I mean, as long as you think it's him, since you can't control him, you feel excused to not control you. Like, as long as I think it's 100% her, since I can't control her, I give up all reasoning when it comes to controlling me because she deserves it. Whatever they did, they deserve it. And so James is saying the very thing that, that leads to murder, it, it's inside of you. I mean, think about this. I mean, what causes murder? Somebody wants something they can't get any other way, and it drives them to that. And somehow it justifies a response. And then they blame the other person. And so James says, heads up, you guys who are wise and humble and understanding. Don't think for a moment that you don't have the potential inside of you to do something very unhealthy to another person to get your way, to get what you want. And then he wraps up with this. He says, you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. Like you want it and you can't get it. I want a break and I'm not getting a break. Everybody else got theirs. I'm not getting mine. Everybody else, everybody else, whatever, gets to do this. Everybody else has kids. Everybody else, everybody else. You're envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You can't get the approval. You can't get the acceptance. Whatever it is, just fill in the blank. And we're like the kids in the back seat. 
And our Heavenly Father's going, okay, just cut it out. No, 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 I, I don't, I don't want to hear it. We're not getting into the details. Just, you know, just stop. Be quiet. Get on your side of the vehicle. And I want you to think for a minute. What's causing this? It's not her. It's not her. You see, if I shake you up, what comes out of you is what's already in there, right? And you can't say, well, if you wouldn't shake me, if you stopped shaking me, then it wouldn't be in there. No, it's in there. The reason it came out is because it, it was in there, right? But just don't, don't shake me. No, no, no. It's already in there. Okay, what does conflict do? It shakes us up. And then what comes out? What comes out is what I want, my way, what I deserve, what I was promised. Now, just to make sure you're not hearing me saying something that I'm not, let me be very clear. Of course, of course there are circumstances that should make you angry and upset. Like being treated unfairly should upset you. You know, experiencing a broken vow or promise, that should upset you. But in the midst of that, in the middle of that conversation, as it dawns on you, wise and humble people pause and say, you know what? You know what part of the problem is here? Not, not the whole problem, but part of the problem, the source of the problem is I'm not getting what I want. I'm telling you, people, when you begin to own your slice of that anger pie, all of a sudden that anger and that rage subsides, and it cannot take control, cannot hijack you cannot control your mouth or your moods. It cannot become the boss of you. So here's a fun little suggestion for you, okay? If you both know about this principle, this is super, super helpful. But even if the other party, the other person doesn't know about this principle, okay, the next time that you get into an argument with somebody, it may be at work with a boss or a coworker, it could be at home with a spouse or, or with a child, okay? Whenever it is, all right, wherever it is, whoever it's with, I want you to say out loud in the middle of that conflict, you know what? You know what part of the problem here is, don't you? I'm not getting what I want, okay? Like, there's no comeback to that, is there? It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, you know what part of the problem is here? I'm not getting what I want. Well, okay, I guess I'm not getting what I want either. Gosh. So I tell you what, let's send each other, we'll send ourselves to our rooms, okay? I'm going to send me to my room, <laughs> And you're going to send you to your room. And I'm going to sit down. I'm going to think for a minute until I own my slice of the pie. And then once I own that, I'll come back and, and we'll talk. All right, so let's practice this. Things are unfair. You experienced a broken promise. Somebody hurt you. Somebody did something to you, whatever it may be. But you decide, I'm not going to let anger or pride get the better of me. I'm going to own my slice of the pie and say, you know what part of the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. All right, so let's say this together on three. You ready? One, two, three. You know what part of the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. Okay, once more. We need some more attitude behind this, all right? One, two, three. You know what part of the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. Yeah, there we go. Imagine saying that in the middle of a conversation. And I'm not saying it's the whole part of the problem. But people hear me on this. More often than not, it's a bigger part of the problem than we know or than we want to admit, our part, our part. Now, let me close with a question here. You're going to have to think about this. What is your relationship with anger? Like, honestly, and you may need to spend some time digging on this. You may ask people who are close to you, if you dare. 
What would they say your relationship with anger is? Does it tend to hijack you, control your mouth, your mood? And maybe it's just in one environment. This happens a lot. Like at work, you're like an angel at home or the other way around, right? Maybe it's just one environment, one setting. Like at work with your boss or coworkers, at home with a spouse or child. You got to say, are you ready to be done with this? We need to be ready to be done with this. It'll take humility. But the next time that anger rises, like guy cuts you off in traffic, your spouse doesn't do what they ask, what you ask, what they promise, whatever it is. In that moment, you're going to pause. You're going to say, uh-uh-uh, anger. <laughs> I'm on to you. You want me to think it's him, it's her, but anger, I am on to you. It's me. I want something and I'm not getting it. And so I'm going to own my slice of the pie and you will not gain control of my mouth or my moods in this moment. You will not get control. You will not hijack me. And people, we've said that this each week. <laughs> you know, anger doesn't have to be the boss of you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you already have a boss of you. And here's something very important. You have a boss who didn't get his way either. Think about it. You have a boss who said no to getting what he wanted, no to what he deserved so that we could get what we needed the most. The Apostle Paul painted a beautiful picture of this. It's Philippians 2, 5 to 7. He said, in your relationships with one another, your father, mother, boss, sister, roommate, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, what does God deserve? God deserves what he wants, what is right, what is fair, what is just. But who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. People, it's okay to not get what you deserve, what you've earned what you want, especially if it keeps anger from being the boss of you. One reason following Jesus will make your life better and he'll make you better at life is because he nudges us away from self-centeredness and arrogance and toward other-centeredness and humility. And that results in a bigger, better life. What we call around here the best life possible, doing life with God a life in which anger is no longer the boss of you. Let's pray. Lord, this is a, an amazing passage that through your servant, James, you penned for us because we don't naturally think this way. So we need your wisdom to understand this. We need your humility to embrace the realities of life and God, so often we have these expectations and they're totally unrealistic. And that just shows our lack of wisdom, maybe our lack of humility. But God, we need to own our part. And in fact, we need to follow the example of Jesus. So God, this week, I pray that we would pause in those moments when that anger starts to surface. And, and that anger is just, a, it's a secondary emotion. It's something that tells us, hey, there's something to miss. And it's not the fact that that anger comes up. It's what we do with it that matters. And that you would help us to introspect, to think about where it's coming from. Because as James says, each and every time, it's coming from some desire that's battling inside of us. So God, you have to renew our minds in this area. 
And as you do, Lord, I know that we will experience an incredible victory through your Holy Spirit. And we'll give you all the honor and glory and praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we close right now, if you have questions maybe about how to have a relationship with Jesus, we've got some volunteers up front. They'd be happy to talk with you about that. Or if you have a prayer need or concern, you can come up front and they'd be glad to pray with you. You guys go otherwise and have a fantastic week.